this is Lisa DeLay, and you are listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. Welcome to Spark My Muse, everyone. Today, my guest is Dr. Lynn Underwood, PhD, and she comes to us from a medical and research background and has worked at the World Health Organization, the National Institutes of Health, as a consultant on projects for Harvard University, Cleveland Clinic, the University of Connecticut, and a variety of social service organizations. She's a senior research associate at the, oh, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, <laughs> Anamori, Anamori International Center for Ethics at Case Western Reserve University. And she has developed the Daily Spiritual Experience Scale used for years by counselors, therapists, nurses, clergy, and social workers. And her book unfolds this scale for us in a very rich way. The Daily Spiritual Experience Scale has been made available in over 40 translations, and it is a rich way to self-report one's own spiritual experience. Thank you so much, Lynn, for being my guest today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Before we get started and jump into the book, I was wondering if you could tell everyone a little bit about your background and, and some of the reason you felt like you should develop this scale. Well, my background is kind of eclectic. Mm -hmm. It's There's a variety of strands. You know, when we all think about our lives, we have our professional lives and we have our personal lives and then we have things that we're really interested in outside of that. Mm -hmm. And um, the scale kind of emerged from a variety of those strands for me. Uh, my original background was kind of medicine and cancer epidemiology. And mm -hmm. in doing all of that, those kinds of projects, I became interested in how do you find out things about messy human beings. Mm. And in research studies, you need to assign a number to something. Mm. Um, but sometimes you can ask in open-ended ways. And uh, so in the process of a variety of uh, career paths, uh, I, there was an interest in how do you measure spiritual and religious issues? And there are lots of things out there to measure, you know, what's your affiliation and what are your beliefs and uh, those kinds of things. And, but there was nothing that really tapped into our experiences in a way that would both get at the experience of the spiritual for a person who was more highly religious and also get at the experiences of spirituality for people who were not comfortable with religion. Mm -hmm. And so this was developed, this scale was developed in that context. So just to kind of set that out. I also, my own personal life, uh, I became about uh, about 30 years ago, became very committed to contemplative prayer, the idea of listening in prayer and uh, quiet and deep silence and Lexio Divina. And that had a kind of transformative effect on my life. And I saw kind of the involvement of the spiritual, not in a cognitive way, thinking about our uh, kind of a rational set of beliefs, although those can be very important, but just seeing how in my daily life spirituality was kind of infusing it mm -hmm. continually. Mm -hmm. And I think that also drove me uh, toward, toward this project. Um, and also, I think that I like the idea of the sciences, which the world respects and this scale taps into, 
but I'm also really, uh, I guess, in love with people mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, want to find out about the depths of people's lives. So I think those maybe are some of the strands that uh, influenced me in, in developing the scale and writing the Spiritual Connection in Daily Life book. Mm. I forgot to mention the title of your book. <laughs> it's called Spiritual Connection in Daily Life, 16 Little Questions That Can Make a Big Difference. And we'll jump into um, what a reader can expect as they read this, why they would want to read this, and um, what they would get out of it. And we'll pull a few questions out and and unravel them a little bit for everyone. Um, I, I found it to be really, really helpful. I can see how uh, this would help a whole variety of people. And one of the things I wanted to ask you too is when we say spiritual experience, coming from a religious background like I have, it means one thing for me, but I can imagine that people who uh, come from an atheist agnostic or even hostile um, stance against religion might not might say to themselves, well, I don't have spiritual experiences. I'm, you know, I don't believe in any of that stuff. And, and how did that, how does that fit in with the scale? Well, that's a really good question, because I think that's one of the way, reasons it was developed the way it was. Mm-hmm. Um, when I tried to come up with a bunch of questions, I was aware that spirituality, however we might define that, uh, seemed to be involved in a lot of people's lives, even people who would say they were atheist or agnostic. So I was working with scientists, a lot of whom are atheist or agnostic, and uh, a lot of people from a variety of backgrounds. So I was thinking, how would I get at this sense of the connection with something more than in life Mm -hmm. that seems to infuse people's lives who maybe aren't that comfortable with religion, but still get at the, the interface for people who are more religious. And so when I developed the questions, I did lots of interviews with people from different religious perspectives, um, atheists, agnostics, um, people who were deeply religious, people who were not so much, little kids, old people, inner city people, uh, uh, my colleagues in the in the academic world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did all these interviews, and I I also tested the items with these people to see does this get at something in your life mm. that it, and and what is it like for you? And also there are sixteen questions, and the idea was to get at a breadth of things. Not everybody is going to resonate with all these questions, mm-hmm. but that there are going to be at least a few that most people will have some resonance with. And when I, when I did the book, I thought, well, these interviews were so rich. I want to show maybe other people what, what a variety of people across the spectrum answered mm. <laughs> when, they were, when I asked them, what is this like for you? So that they maybe have ideas of what, what this might be like. So if somebody says, oh, I've never you know, uh, heard a voice from on high or, you know, uh, had an out-of-body experience, and they think that's the only thing spiritual experience is, well, there are a real variety of things that people can experience. Mm. Yeah, the book is really for everyone, even though some people would say, well, I've that doesn't jive with me. I've never had a spiritual experience. It really is how we can get a handle on 
how we see the world. I, I like how in the book it says it doesn't measure beliefs, it measures experience. And it's something we, it, it attempts in to use science to understand something we usually think of as unmeasurable or ineffable. Right. And so, um, yeah, actually in the book it, it will list um, some answers people have given for some of the different questions, and they range all over the place from, you know, people who are probably Muslim or Christian all the way down to people who, who probably don't have any real religious vocabulary at all. Right, right. And this is my hope in the book that uh, one of the goals for me was to be able to explore in depth what this is like for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people might say, oh, I don't have a spiritual experience. But then when you get into these individual questions and then you think, do I have any of this? Well, you know, maybe I do. And this is what it would be like. Mm. Now, for people who who work with others, like a, like a social worker or a therapist, counselor, or just somebody who wants to interact with people of other faiths, they can use, like, how might they use the spiritual experience scale? Um, could they use that with other people, or is that sort of the domain of professionals? Well, I have a, a chapter in the book that's kind of like using this, using the scale for communication. And I think one of the reasons I wrote the book was so that people would have a tool, people who are counselors or therapists or social workers or uh, people working with people in a variety of settings where the, a person's spiritual, you know, spirituality, the, the place that spirituality inhabits in their lives, apart from their beliefs, but just in the nitty gritty, might be quite relevant to things like addictions or coping or, you know, uh, stress, you know, uh, resistance, resilience in the face of stress. But if you want to interact with somebody whose beliefs don't exactly map onto yours, these questions provide a a kind of a way to get into that by opening up the conversation in a way that doesn't put us at loggerheads, that I believe this, oh, I don't believe this, and then already we're polarized. So I think the uh, people in the helping professions have found these questions quite useful. Mm. I think especially in an open-ended way, you know, Mm -hmm. because they can start a conversation with somebody without the person feeling kind of threatened Mm -hmm. or having themselves, their own biases already in play in a way that might get in the way of the therapeutic relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so important. It's an entry point, but it's not one that's, there are right or wrong answers. This is based on your personal experience with the world and and how you experience things so you can answer in any way that feels okay for you right Hmm. well uh, let's get into what a person could expect if they pick up the book what might they be looking for what would this book satisfy for them well, I think one of the things that uh, I'm hoping for is by, by setting it in a scientific context, these questions have been used and they predict all sorts of things and they seem to work for a lot of people. So already you maybe have a, a, a framework that might make you think, okay, these questions predict these very good things in people's lives all over the world in 40 different languages. Mm. And this might be useful for me. The book is trying to kind of go beyond that and allow you to individually 
explore these questions in your own life mm. to find more of them in your days. So the kinds of ordinary spiritual experiences that are possible in the world for all of us each day, mm. we need to somehow have a prime or a prompt yeah. <laughs> to get us to get us into them, or else we're just kind of moving through our days in this kind of oblivious way. Uh, and even just general mindfulness, we're being mindful of things, but we're not necessarily maybe looking for a kind of a connection with the more than in our days. Mm. And these questions maybe say, mm, maybe that's there for you, and how might it be there for you um, in a way that could really enrich your life? Mm. That's a great point. So somebody coming in might say, oh, okay, I, I have this connection here, here, and here, but I didn't even think about that I could have a connection over here, here, and here. And so th in a way, it could just open up an awareness that there's more possible, no matter where you come from, what cultural background or experience you have. And maybe it could even um, put some curiosity into people that, that more is available. Right. And one of the questions, for example, is, you know, how, how when do you feel thankful for your blessings mm. is a question. Mm -hmm. in it. And I think that one of us think we think, oh, it has to be something wonderful happening mm -hmm. to be a blessing <laughs> has to be something really out of the ordinary, you know. Yeah. But I mean, there are just uh, sort of blessings buried in the ordinary mundane things of our days. And also in sometimes things that we think are not so wonderful. You know, when we look back on them, maybe that really was a blessing. So I think by kind of unpacking what might be possible in our days, we could find some things that could be really positive and helpful to us. Mm. Yeah, there's so much research on, on that, too. I had um, Dr. David Desteno on my show, and he was talking about that very thing about making sure you're keeping track of your blessings. It, from a scientific point of view, talking about long-term resiliency and just how important that is for a better quality of life and, and long-term success. And of course, that plays into many religious traditions as part of giving thanks over a meal or at a special religious ceremony. And some people are just naturally blessing hunters. They're just going to naturally find it. But some people, it won't even occur to them that, oh, your, your day is filled with hundreds of them, hundreds of little blessings. And uh, to be able to know, to, to try to pull those out in your day is so useful. Yeah, I, I, I'm not naturally prone to look to finding blessings in each day. So it really helps me to be prompted. You know, uh, one of the interviews that I had, you know, somebody goes, oh, well, uh, when I had at one time when I had a really bad head cold, when it cleared up, I could taste tomatoes again. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, you know, there's all that kind of thing mm -hmm. that uh, we can think about. And the book talks, too, about where are blessings in tough times. Mm -hmm. I think, too, we often think, oh, that's yuck, <laughs> and that's totally yuck, or, you know, uh, and I do not want to be there now at all, but they're kind of looking for, I've seen people frame it up as, as the opportunity in the moment, um, so I think those kinds of looking at that, uh, and I think the scale, by asking these questions of ourselves, it prompts us to, to, to do a little bit of this kind of exploration. That's great. Let's look at one of them right now. We'll look at the first one, which is um, it's on page 33 for anybody who will get the book. It says, 
I am spiritually touched by the beauty of creation. And you can pick never, once in a while, some days, most days, every day, or many times a day. And could you go into that a little bit? There's there's a little bit of an explanation that goes beyond that question to help people unpack it a little bit. Yeah, I might talk, first of all, why it has those number scores in them. Yeah. The, the, the scale was wanting people to go to concrete moments, not just how intense was my experience, but how frequently do I have this experience in daily life? Mm-hmm. And to, it, to be put on these scientific studies, which it's on over 300 scientific studies out there, predicting all sorts of things and investigating all sorts of things in life. Um, it needed to have number scores. So the book has these number scores. On the other hand, you can just ask the questions in an open-ended way. You can say, you know, have I been spiritually touched by the beauty of creation? And if so, what has it been like for me? So you can do the questions in that way if you find the numbers irritating. (laughs) But (laughs) But the numbers are there just to kind of help you kind of, you think, okay, well, I never have this, or I have this occasionally, or I have this many times a day. It's, it's kind of different for people. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something about the numbers to start with if we, if we look at this. Mm-hmm. But if you hate numbers, you can just exclude them when you're doing the book. Um, now I'll go back to what you were asking about this uh, particular question. Um, I found that this was this is really one of the most inclusive questions Mm -hmm. in the scale in that being spiritually touched by the beauty of creation can happen when we're out in nature. Mm -hmm. It can happen when we're listening to a gorgeous piece of music or viewing visual art or really even looking at another person's face in a ordinary setting Mm -hmm. And I think that I am an artist myself, and I'm really into visual arts. Mm -hmm. And to me, the word beauty in this question kind of draws us into the depths of what is out there uh, to be seen in our daily lives. When I read it, I thought how much I'm extremely touched by the natural world, the natural created world in nature. And then I was also struck by the idea I'm inside too much. (laughs) I have to to go outside a lot more and make sure that I'm touched and make sure that I am experiencing what touches me. And it was, it was good to read that because it, it will, like, I know that will strengthen my spiritual life, my spiritual experiences, because I could, it could be many times a day for sure, but I have to make sure I'm going outside and at least into my yard um, and interacting with my dog and interacting with my children. And, um, and so just for the reminders alone that the scale is, is really useful. Oh, that's good to hear. That's really good to hear because I think that's uh, something that has happens to me too. And in the book, as I ask people to kind of write or jot down or reflect in their own lives about each of these questions. And one of the reasons I do that, and I do that in workshops too, is that if you have some places where this really happens for you, well then, as you're doing, seeking them out more makes a lot of sense. These 
questions, your responses, the frequency of your responses to these questions is predictive of many good things in life. Mm. <laughs> and it, in and of themselves, they seem to be positive things. So if we see where where is this for me, then you can, as you say, seek this out more in your own days. Yeah, there's space in the book to write notes, and and that would be where that's where that would go for me. <laughs> so, right, right. Now, if we jump over to page forty six to the question that's number five, this is kind of an interesting one because um, depending on how you view God or the divine or something else, you know, it can go a few different ways. But the question is, I desire to be close to God or in union with the divine. And for some people, um, that will be a very personal thing, seeing God in a very personal way, maybe like a father or savior. Or for other people, that won't be very personal. They won't see God in a in a personal way. They might see um feel on the outs with God or maybe not see God as a person at all? Yeah, this question came about, uh, you were talking about agnostics, mm -hmm. you know, and, and people who are not comfortable with religion. It came about through the suggestion when I was originally developing the questions and bouncing them off different people and asking people, what have I left out? What is in here? Are there any language you don't like? Those kinds of things mm. with all these different kinds of people. Uh, an agnostic scientist said to me, well, I really want to be closer to the divine, to God, mm. but I don't feel like I am. Mm. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> oh, right? That's interesting. You know, and I thought, well, maybe I need to put this question about longing in, in the, in the scale. And, and I'm really glad I did. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, this idea of longing, uh, one of the responses to this question when I did the interviews, you know, I don't believe in God, but I somehow long to be closer to be to something greater than myself. Hmm. God experienced in a new way. Hmm. And I think very often the way we frame up the divine, it's something, you know, if that's the if that's God, I do not want to be in relationship with that being. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> you know. Uh, judgmental policeman, uh, <laughs> white man on cloud, uh, <laughs> threatening figure. You know, there's just a variety of ways people have framed up uh, this notion of the divine mm -hmm. that is is alienating. It does it, but if we kind of open it up and say, well, is there some sense of the divine that we would long to be closer to? Mm -hmm. It maybe maybe we can clear away some of these quite fragile and not accurate interpretations of what something as vast as the divine would be like. Mm. And then we might want to, des we might desire to be closer to that. And, uh, you know, one of the people that responded said, God is love. And I want to be as close to that all encompassing love as possible. And I know I have seen a lot of, you know, people who, and talk to people who do not like the word God, do not think they believe in a God, but this idea of love <laughs> and wanting to be closer to some sort of cosmic sense of love mm -hmm. is in their hearts. Mm -hmm. And that would fit in this question. Mm -hmm. um, there's a quote that I have in the book by Stevie Smith, who was an English poet who was not uh, 
particularly believing in God. And she said, there is a God in whom I do not believe, yet to this God my love stretches. Mm. And I think the notion of what is it actually that we're, <laughs> we're wanting to be in union with, yeah, you know? Right. Uh, I'm hoping that by exploring these questions, each person who's reading the book can think, well, is there something that is more than mm -hmm. that I would like to feel closer to, more in harmony with? And then what would that be like for me? Mm -hmm. And in that is helping the sense of how we conceive of the divine to be kind of coming from within and grounded in our experience rather than maybe be quite as externally applied. Mm. Um, I think that's particularly helpful for some particular, for people in certain circumstances, but it, I think it can be helpful across the board. Yeah, I was thinking that the question is really centered on desire and longing. And when people take an inventory of themselves, honestly, um, there is usually some kind of longing to connect. And that invisible thing to connect is is really a spiritual, is, is in the realm of the spiritual, whether you want it, whether it's pointed to this almighty God that someone has described to them <laughs> or something like that, where you still t are talking about the spiritual realm and then that can produce a curiosity and a, a movement that you want to walk toward and, and seek out what else could that mean and, and how could that be fulfilled more deeply in my life. And I think that, that just that desire, um, which some people would say is, could only be put there by God, <laughs> um, is, is, you know, deep calling to deep. And that is also found in other people. And so we're, I think we get drawn to people that way in, in what you would say maybe is like a spiritually foundational way. And as people realize that they even have longing and desire, which, which comes out in that question, um, they can at least be more sensitive to that in themselves. I think it's very, that's very well put. Uh, I think that's one of the things that hopefully this will stir up and help people to unpack. Uh, some of the examples for me in, in this, you know, is like music. There's an mm. awful lot of longing in popular music, mm -hmm. for example. We're longing for other people. And yet this longing is never going to be completely fulfilled by other people, you know, mm -hmm. other people are gonna, you know, they're they're themselves, <laughs> and, and they're really nice and 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 uh, good to be around, and we long for them, and they satisfy us in many many ways. But there is some sort of longing that can happen, even in that longing for other people, that is extending us uh, to a longing for something deeper. Mm. Yeah, the more than that doesn't ever seem to be satisfied, but it still seems to be so deeply implanted in us. And, um, yeah, a lot of people, I mean, that's really what art usually speaks to in some way is, is something, something we can't get our fingers around, something that is, uh, is beyond us. And I think so many poets, so many artists, so many musicians have, have tried to 
get that message out and we, we feel it. <laughs> we feel their yeah. message within <laughs> us, right? <laughs> yes. That's really good. Uh, if somebody goes through these questions a little at a time, I was just, I was just about to say, boy, if you whip through these questions, it's not going to give you, <laughs> it's not going to give you the, the heft that just ruminating on, on them a little at a time and taking your time with them, how, how much of a difference that would make. But that one right there, you could spend a couple of weeks just, uh, gathering your thoughts and, and, uh, writing down your feelings about that one could, could produce a lot of growth in your life if you, if you sat with that one for a while. Oh, that's, that's nice to hear. Mm -hmm. um, I was just thinking, too, that um, even though this is like a personal inventory, I think this would be a really neat thing to do with a, with a friend or um, even like a spiritual companion or just a, a small group of friends to, to, to do your own inventory, but then a little bit discuss kind of it with you know, hopefully trusted people wouldn't talk about you behind yeah. your back, yeah. but like they would, they could, you could maybe be vulnerable with them and, and talk about some of these, these things that come up because it's, um, I mean, this, this really should hopefully happen in, in church communities and things like that, but it's not always like that in, in those situations. But I think we need to be talking about some of these things that are really at the core of being human. Oh, yeah, that's really, it's an awfully good point. You know, I mentioned earlier, you know, therapists using it in professional settings, mm -hmm. but I used it in workshops and people, in the workshops, I have people use some of the questions and break up into twos. And I have kind of rules of, mm -hmm. of kind of uh, communication in terms of respectfulness of other people and that kind of thing in that mm -hmm. setting. And they break up into twos and share about their own experiences with each other. Mm -hmm. And even in those settings where they don't know each other, mm -hmm. um, I think it gets to a depth of conversation about something uh, in a very powerful way. And I think it has the potential in personal relationships mm -hmm. to, to really open up conversation where, you know, if you just started talking about your beliefs, mm -hmm. it, it wouldn't really open these kinds of things up as much. And it, I think it has a potential, like parents and their kids talking about things or um, spouses or friends. I know it has been used in, uh, there's a kind of a, on my Lynn Underwood site, there's a kind of a guide for using it in churches mm -hmm. and using it in uh, book groups. So you can kind of work through the questions together with other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be really I don't know, we, we have trouble getting to these questions mm. um, in our daily conversations. And if we really want to get at them, how would we do it without offending somebody? Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> Make, having a fight break out or something. Exactly. Yeah. You know, don't ever talk about religion at the dinner table or something <laughs> like that. You know? But I think this, these questions are not talking about belief. So it kind of get past that. Mm -hmm. uh, and open conversation rather than close it down. Well, you have a whole section on that in your book. Uh, I'll, I'll plug it for you since you didn't do it yourself. <laughs> it's, it's on page 174, and you call it rules of the game. And then there's rules of the game, res respect, be concrete rather than abstract. These are the headings. Hold things loosely, listen rather than advise. Um, no proselytizing and resist giving the high ground to the dramatic. And then... Each one of those really lays out some excellent um, guides for how conversations in, in this on these topics, on these questions, 
can be really, really fruitful instead of divisive. And um, there's so much divisiveness around us in, in media. I don't think we need to bring any more <laughs> into, oh, no. into our lives. Um, and these kinds of questions certainly don't have to break down into about dogma and, and um, you know, they don't have to go into predestination or free will. You know, they don't have to go there. Right. Um, but they can really just be about, you know, how have you experienced the world? And this is how I have. And, you know, do you sense a shift or, um, are, you know, are you noticing, are you noticing changes or are you be- feeling more drawn in one way or another or something like that? And it can be really, really interesting to listen to people's answers because sometimes what you would expect them to say does not come out of their mouth and you are, you are really, yeah, you're, you're just like, Oh really? I, I didn't know. Like, cause maybe they wouldn't have wanted to say, or, or maybe, you know, I've just been so pleasantly surprised sometimes when I've asked people these sorts of questions and I really thought they, they thought one way and, and it turns out it, it really, you know, I had underestimated them and I feel felt bad about it later, you know, because I had thought um, that maybe they, they had just seen things, in black and white, but they had actually seen things much more many tones. And, and it's really interesting if you, um, you know, don't make those assumptions and just let them speak about their experience. Yeah. And, and one more thing I would say is that, you know, by hearing their experiences, you think, oh, that's maybe an area where I could find this in my life that I hadn't thought of. Mm. You know, I think that's also helpful. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also a whole section on having uh, interreligious, secular religious, and intercultural dialogue on page 90, where you go into um, some of the ways that that can happen. If you have friends or neighbors, or you know, you work with coworkers that come from different backgrounds, sometimes we're hesitant because we don't want to offend, or we we don't want to look like the person who's too curious or who's too right, who's asking too many right. questions, or maybe look, you know, they don't want to put them on the spot but um it can be so interesting to hear from from other points of view about uh, religious things their own religious experience i know with conversation i had with omid safi who's a who's a sufi muslim and uh or at least he translates i'm not sure how um how much he adheres to but he's you know, definitely a Muslim man, and some of his thoughts and experiences and ideas added so much to my own understanding of love and connection and conversation. And I had never heard it that said that way before because it, it was such coming from such a different paradigm. And yet, if we hadn't decided to speak to one another and you know, knowing that we were friends from the beginning, because because maybe we wouldn't have assumed that <laughs> of each other, uh, the conversation would have never happened. And and just being open to new kinds of dialogue with different sorts of people um, on really friendly ground is more important now than ever. And in my opinion, um, we have to really fight against. Um, all those points of division that seem to be so sharp and pointy in in our world right now, we have to do, we have to work against those things and and create points where we can have dialogue between um, people who would normally not have dialogue. 
Yeah, that's very wisely stated. I, I would agree with you. And uh, one of when I was developing this scale, I had this World Health Organization project that was active that was looking at uh, spiritual issues and quality of life and HIV AIDS. And, uh, you know, I don't know, it was about 18 or 20 countries. And we were all gathered together in Geneva. And I was able to run these questions by people who were from very different faith traditions. And when I started this, uh, it was in the 90s, uh, mid-90s. And I remember at that time, (laughs) I was kind of, I didn't understand what Muslim religion was about. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of biased against it at that time. I have to to be realistic. Mm -hmm. And yet in that context, I met a, a Muslim psychiatrist from Egypt and I ended up talking through these issues with these questions with mm. him. And I learned so much about uh, his particular approach to his faith and his life. And I felt more connected to him in some ways than I did to some people who would have had the same set of religious beliefs that I might have yeah. at home. Yeah. And I think that happened. The, the idea of, you mentioned earlier in the conversation, deep calling to deep. I think that in a way, when you have, I really feel that I'm deeply, uh, deeply involved in my own religious faith tradition. It enriches me. I, I, it, I grow in it. Um, but on the other hand, I also feel that I've met people in other faith traditions that, to me, I feel a deep connection with. Uh, and these questions help me get at that depth of connection uh, in ways that help me to see what is rich in their tradition. Yeah, especially when it comes to um, wanting to connect to other people in, in rich ways, wanting to um, seeing that their hearts are open to connect with God in, in a really authentic way. Um, you can't just walk away from that conversation and be like, oh, well, (laughs) I'll disregard everything they said. You know, you're like, they're they're sincerely open to God and love and, um, and creation in a really deep and rich way. And you see that for, for yourself and you hear about their experiences, you're not going to easily disregard what they've said. And that's, what's so neat about connecting to people in a spiritual way and, and just being open to your own, spiritual experiences and, and being able to acknowledge them and even report them with a number if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> if you need to, yeah. And that's the other thing with the numbers, you know, which I, I in a way I thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't have even put numbers in the book because some people hate them. But in a way, these numbers and the reporting of these has been, has worked in so many different cultures. Mm. It's been used in Hong Kong and used in India and Pakistan and, you know, Slovenia and, you know, <laughs> uh, Brazil. And by looking in Malaysia and Indonesia, it's been used in, and predict, it predicts outcomes in these different populations and hangs together as a group, which kind of gives some extra, I don't know, extra support to these questions having some traction in our lives. We'll try to wrap up now, but is there any other um, things you'd like to say for somebody encountering your book or moving along in this direction as they approach their daily spiritual connection in their lives? Well, yeah, I would say that you could look 
there's a bunch of questions here, right, that address different aspects. And there are going to be some that really draw you into them. You go, this is where the richness is for me. You know, Mm -hmm. um, one of the questions is, I feel divine love for me through other people. Mm. You know, that might be where the richness of spiritual connection might be enhanced in your own daily life, Mm -hmm. you know, by that particular one. There are ones that talk about uh, our giving of love into the world. Maybe that's the way, that's the time that we really experience spiritual connection is by a deep, compassionate caring for others. Mm. Um, So finding the items that really kind of um, challenge you to think about where do I most feel that my connection with the divine is lit up in my days. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that's something I would uh, encourage people to pursue. Mm And, and also, these questions, uh, I obviously, I developed them, right? I've been working with these questions for how many years? <laughs> Since in the 90s, uh, 1990s. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, I sort of, I still, when I get ready for a workshop or I reread the, get ready to do a paper or I reread the book, it prompts me to be looking for these things in my days. Mm in a way that I wouldn't be finding them. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I, I developed the scale. You'd think this would be <laughs> right at the top of my brain, you know. But I think we get swamped by so many things in our days, you know, the laundry, what we're going to make, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, social media, you know, um, what we need to do next, uh, what people are thinking about us, a variety of things that float through our minds in, in, in a quite swamping way. Mm-hmm. And I know somebody who just carried a little checklist of these questions in their pocket and pulled it, you know, and I mean, now there's smartphones and stuff, but they kind of pull it out and then just look at it, you know, once a day, or maybe you have a few of the questions that really grab you and you have them and you pull it out or you have a reminder on your phone or something that, well, have you, you know, been spiritually touched by the beauty of creation, Mm. you know, um, today, where is this for you, you know, or having them as a prompt in your days to kind of deepen your own experience of this. And I liked your idea of communicating with other people about it, because that is something I really tried to encourage in in the book, too, because if we're only looking at it in our own days and not communicating with others, um, that can, you know, not open us to the breadth of what we could be seeing in terms of our connection with the transcendent. Right. The more, yeah, this is one of those books. Like I've taken those tests. Like, what are your, what are the fruits of the spirit in your life that are, you know, whatever, <laughs> and 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 those are all okay, you know. But this is actually one of the more practical, um, immediately useful kind of scales that that you can see. Uh, immediately kind of drawing you into something deeper right away. And that's why it's, it's so useful. It's, I mean, I'm sure it would be useful for clinicians and studies and things like that to take a group of people and, and, you know, quantify some things and then look at outcomes. And I can see why it would be useful in a scientific way, but in a personal way too, 
Um, I was just going to, I'm going to put a shout out right now to any techie <laughs> who would, this would be a great app to have on your phone yeah. and you could yeah. check the things that you noticed in your day. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if you know anybody who's that technical, but um, to, to have an app on your phone, um, to have the 16 questions there, be able to, yeah. to mark them off or something, but something really close at hand that, that would be uh, useful like that would be really neat and i bet there's a lot of there's a lot of things that well maybe we can get a millennial on this right now <laughs> well, <laughs> we can just whip it, it I, out when i uh, when i was writing the book i had somebody in montreal and we were working together to this would have been a number of years ago trying to work on an app ah, and it just fell to the back of the yeah. burner and never got developed i think it would be a good thing yeah and but one of the things it has been put on like smartphone studies there are research studies that mm. you know are on smartphones mm -hmm. and one of the nice things about this scale is it does tend to change over time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's predictive of certain good things in life, mm. right? Um, like resilience, less PTSD, less depression, you know, a mm -hmm. variety of those kinds of outcomes. But it changes over time. So you can actually increase this in your life mm -hmm. and it will have an effect on things. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of nice too you know there's a lot of things that we have about ourselves that we think that's pretty set in stone <laughs> but this is something that we can really you know change and that's kind of a neat thing yeah it's it's definitely with when you attend to it it will change it'll ripple out and change everything because if you're it's just like any mindful thing that you do as, as you pay attention to it your synapses will fire differently in your brain and you'll rewire, you know, and then yeah. as, as that happens, you'll probably be more connected to people and they will reciprocate and you can see how it could have these pretty powerful consequences. Like I said, just, just me noticing how much I'm touched by nature will get me out more. And if I'm breathing more fresh air, I'm, I'm sure, <laughs> sure that's going to help my, help my week go better. So I can see why, um, an awareness of our spiritual uh, daily connections in life will, you know, it has to have a powerful effect, but that's the thing about, you know, are we willing to track that? Are we willing to, to keep that in the forefront of our minds? And I think that's part of the, it's like a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice to, to make sure we're, you know, but it's like brushing your teeth, you know, it's spiritual hygiene and, and there's, yeah. you know, oral <laughs> hygiene and you're, you're going to brush your teeth probably, at least hopefully once a day. And you should probably be checking up on your spiritual health as well, because it's going to affect so much in your life. Uh, I'm so glad your book exists to make us focus on what really, really matters. Well, thank you. What I will do is I will have links to your to the different websites, the one that is just for the scale, but also the one for for your own website and on the show notes for this episode. And is there any place else that people can find you? Are you on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that? Well, as you can imagine, I try to minimize social media <laughs> because I, I'm, uh -huh. <laughs> I'm trying to kind of exist in a contemplative space in life. Right. So I'm not really uh, that much. But the lynnunderwood.com site has a lot of the resources for this. And I do try to blog on lynnunderwood.com slash latest but I don't do it frequently, but I do it enough mm -hmm. um, that maybe it would be of interest. And I have also on that lynnunderwood.com site, there's a bunch of the, maybe the, the resources like music and poetry and the arts and stuff that people might find 
uh, help to stimulate the, the connection to the transcendent and the more than in their days. Mm-hmm. Good. Very good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with me. This has been wonderful. Well, thank you very much. It's been nice to meet you. Hey, everybody. Before you go, I want to invite you to listen to some special bonus material. I asked Lynn at the end, after we were done with our recording, I asked her what she was working on, and she told me something really great, something really exciting, and I know you'll want to hear about it. It's extremely different than the daily spiritual exercise skill. So go over to patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse to hear that bonus material. You need to be a sponsor of the show at the $5 level. If you're a sponsor already, just jump over there and go to this episode and you'll hear that material right away. If you're not a sponsor, this is the perfect time to do it. Enjoy.